When they go low, we go high. And I usually want to go back low. But Tabitha Brown, uh, who we all love. And some of us, at first, I didn't love her too, too much. Because I was just like, it was just too much, all of it. Like, And the (laughs) vegan food didn't look that good. But guess what? The vegan food wasn't really the star. She's the star. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all recently uh, saw her. uh, I saw her on the shade room. But, uh, yeah, going in to an ether beat uh, on Wendy Williams. Wendy Williams said that uh, she was, it was probably one of her hot topics or something. She was saying um, that there's no reason why Tabitha Brown should be retiring her husband of 23 years to, um, you know, let him start his foundation and do his sports coaching for young people. Uh, because that would never work. And the evidence she had of that, it was because it didn't work for her. And <laughs> Tabitha, sweet Tabitha Brown, um, in the sweetest way possible, told her to go fuck herself. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like the classiest moves in all of the classiest moves. Uh, I don't know that I could be that classy because I would have just, you know, went in. But uh, she says to her, um, first of all, it was so deep. Uh, it was. It was. It, so it kind of reminds me of like how my grandmother and my mom would be. You know, you don't have to be nasty to people. You could be nice, nasty. Oh, nice I love way. to be nasty. <laughs> But yeah, she wasn't. She was just like, she talked about this agreement her and her husband had really to support each other, which sounds like the vows, you know. And uh, she said that, you know, she was her husband's dog in the fight. She said, and basically, you know, his dog won. Like, Tabitha, she's blowing up. She's she's good. And right. um, and she said that, you know, now she wanted to make sure she was retiring her husband so he could do whatever he wants to do. And I feel that. If you're in a true partnership, man, they look so good together. Uh, and who the hell doesn't want another good black man to get up out of somebody's police department? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, go build with the young people. Play basketball. Stop this bullshit, you know? Yeah, anyway, sure. she said, I hope love finds you. She could have stopped there for me. I know she did. Oh, that was crazy. But like, I'm glad she said that, you know, um, I, I'm also glad that she highlighted what you mentioned, the vows and um, honoring and actually welcoming God into the relationship. Oh, she I did feel say like that. She said so that's many people stray away from. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really powerful. Her response was very powerful, uh, very classy. Um, but yeah, like you said, she told her her two cents and uh hopefully Wendy will get her get her stuff together I, I i also appreciate the fact that she like she was like she's gonna pray for you like ooh, that yeah ooh. she said this like, is my look, prayer you know for what? you you got what she you said, got going on but i will pray for, for you. you like she said i ooh. hope love finds you she said and i hope it finds you to where um someone will be with you when you're well and not well 
Someone mm-hmm. will be with you when, um, you know, basically when things are going great, things aren't going great. And then right. she said, uh, I hope that like someone would sacrifice their life for you. I'm like, uh, this isn't just moms and dads who do this. You talking about a partner could do this. Yeah, It was beautiful yeah. to me. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm here for it. I feel like it's probably one of my biggest lessons to learn in this season is how to cuss somebody out without cussing them out and how to truly come. Cause I actually think Tabitha Brown really has that love and kindness in her heart. It's my, it's my season uh, to learn that lesson. And I'm grateful that Tabitha Brown is is showing us how to do it. Mm -hmm. For sure. It was a teachable moment. And again, we see Wendy Williams, Defecating on her people once again, always having so something to bitter, say huh? about something positive going on. So, yeah. Uh, well, uh, this year, Howard Homecoming is going to be lit for all of the reasons, but especially because uh, the award winning journalist Nicole Hannah Jones uh, will now be the night chair uh, at Howard University for their, I guess, race and reporting uh journalism new department and uh, she'll be joined by Tanahasi Coates uh so she rolling with her big dog uh I love it I just <laughs> I'm so excited for this Howard University uh I'm, first of all talk about moving in such a way that nobody knew I, I didn't know I hadn't heard about this um and so uh, I love that, you know, not only did is she joining Howard, but she declined a very uh, fucked up and racist uh, offer by UNC in a process that uh, was very damaging to both UNC, but also to her uh, as a professional uh, and, um, you know, the UNC Board of Trustees voted uh, for her to, you know, get tenure. But every prior night chair prior to her uh, just automatically got the tenure. Uh, and the night chair, we know, is a position for uh, working jur- or uh, an established journalist to sort of lead a department to, you know, teach. And um, and so, you know, every position prior to this had the tenure and for her, not only did they make her go through the process, but or that they didn't. Oh, excuse me. They didn't uh, offer the tenure to her, wasn't offered, uh, but then made her go through the process. And she was like, cool, you gonna make me go through the process. I'm gonna make you go through the process. Go ahead and hit that vote. And they hit that vote. And she was like, no, thank you. I'm actually going to the illustrious Howard University. Uh, so I'm excited. You know, I think it's great that so many professionals are and uh, basketball players and athletes are, uh, you know, choosing to divest from uh, institutions that are, you know, um, white and uh, predominantly, you know, white and going to HBCUs. And, you know, Howard needed some good news because, you know, America's favorite mom, Claire Huxtable. Felice Rashad. Yep. (laughs) Uh, she defended uh, Bill Cosby, and it's not that Bill Cosby wasn't guilty. He is guilty of raping and drugging those women. Uh, it was based off of a technicality, ma'am. So this was not a miscarriage of justice in the way that you framed it. So, uh, yeah, Howard needed some good news. Howard Homecoming is going to be lit. And I think we should go, Joe. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a long pause. I you shouldn't I be. I went to Howard's homecoming in 2019. No shade to Howard, but oh, like, don't Morehouse do that. Homecoming not on the lit. Not on the pod. <laughs> don't do it on the pod. Save that for. But I, hey, hey, but you know, I support all HBCUs. So shout out to Howard and uh, everything that they're doing. Yeah, they doing it right now. Yeah, a big salute I, but I also to the wanted to, to highlight something she said. She said historically, black colleges and universities have long punched above their weight, producing a disproportionate number of black professionals while working with disproportionately low resources. And shout out to her because she's already raising money for this new initiative that she is helping to create. Yeah, she should. That's probably her job. Um. Meaning, like, good for her. And yeah. if you're down, I'm down to put a million. You put another million, and we'll, you know, we'll make sure our names are on. Um, maybe not a building, but maybe a brick somewhere. <laughs> you, you with it? You got a mill? Yeah, I'm with it. Uh, you know what? We got to be rolling. <laughs> put it in so payments. It's all good. <laughs> And it ain't, it ain't like rolling in, but like we ain't stopping with us. You know, the right. blessings we are come claiming to us, but it. then go through us. Right. So, yeah. Yes, I am the vessel. Um, but yeah, so all right. Say that. Uh, Howard University will be calling you for a uh, mighty, uh, you know, check uh, in the name of uh, the Black and Brown Get Down podcast. Or should, should we just do it in our own names? Oh, we'll figure it out. I mean, they might want two milli each. We'll figure it out. Anyway, um, coming up next <laughs> on Black Love Brown Pride, my favorite segment, uh, we have Chef Will Avilar. Uh, Will is a native of these beautiful lands, um, and uh, we who spent time his in his childhood in Costa Rica, where he was exposed and inspired by a variety of unique and tropical flavors. He followed his passion and pursued culinary arts and uh, started working with Emeril Lagasse in 2005. Can you imagine? Like for me, Emeril Lagasse is like just a random, <laughs> like mm. huge chef. Bow, boom. I don't know. Do you used to make noises or something like that? Anyway, in 2016, he was asked to launch uh, Lagasse's new restaurant, Merrill, which I love fan big fan and uh he was uh you know he came on as the chef de cuisine uh and in 2019 though he left to run his family business maui with his father uh outside of the kitchen he is also a father uh someone who practiced martial arts excited to talk to him about that and an event producer two years ago we he was a part of a campaign that we ran actually working to secure funding for the public defender's office to represent new orleanians being faced with deportation uh excited to talk to will today and let's get to it welcome will yes welcome me thank you thank i you am so me. juiced to have you i mean it's um i feel like since we worked on the campaign to bring um to get some funding to the public defender's office for um folks who are detained i haven't really seen you yeah you um, forgot about me i didn't forget about you but <laughs> now that you're here uh, I'm happy to be enjoying some bubbles and, you know, things. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, let's jump right into this. One of the things that we ask every guest that comes on the show is what are your earliest memories of community and um, whose spirit do you bring into this work? Okay. Into my chef work. 
Um, yeah. Well, one of my earliest memories, I would say, of, of community has to be uh, when I lived in Costa Rica, uh, down there. So you're from Costa Rica? My mom's from Costa Rica. My dad's from El Salvador. Uh, I was born here, but yes, I do identify as Costa Rican as well. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as I, well. I spent like seven, almost eight years there uh, uh, in my childhood. What part of Costa uh, Rica? So San Jose in the capital. Oh, okay. So cool, cool. Um, it's I live kind of like right outside the capital. It's in the same uh, province, if you would. But uh, it was called Tibas. And then in my neighborhood, it was called Cuatro Reinas. So that was the district inside. Hey, not one queen, but four. Four queens, yes. Listen. Cuatro Reinas. Um, yeah, but no, the, the community that I that I remember uh, back then was usually like gathering uh, like for Independence Day or gathering for uh, Christmas. And that'd be... Uh, almost what they call it down there is like a desfile, almost like a parade, but no floats like we know mm-hmm. down here. Mm-hmm. It's just people going down the street and lighting um, faroles is what they were called. Um, and they're like little lanterns. They have a candle on the inside mm-hmm. and then they have the, the lamp around it to keep it you know, from blowing out. Um, yes, for the procession. Yes. And then it, it's a very Catholic country. So it's a lot of stuff happening like that during uh, religious times and Semana Santa, Holy Week and all that. Yeah. Uh, so I remember that happening a lot for me back then. Pura um, vida. And I was, what's that? Pura vida. Pura vida yeah. for sure. Yes, pura vida is a, it's a vibe. It's yeah. a vibe down there, and it's it's so been I've vibing been, I've been like in that San for Jose years. Before in uh, Haco. Yeah. Haco, yeah. yeah. I was out it's there. A beautiful for like a beach. Yeah, that was- yes, yes. It's I haven't been since I mean. 2000 mm. so it's been several years 21 years now wow uh, since I you went gotta back. you gotta go i know i'm going next month it's, um, i'm going to leave so, you didn't tell nobody so come with <laughs> but the last time i went i went to limon okay that's where like um i have a lot side, of family huh? in, in limon in the caribbean side yeah. um i have an aunt who's texting me right now uh on facebook messenger saying uh when are you coming i want to show you how to make um chorreadas What's chorreadas? Chorreadas are basically like a like a pancake. Uh, they use like cornmeal or corn flour, um, and it's like a very loose batter that you put on a griddle, and then you eat it with um, crema or natilla is what it's called down there. It's very similar to sour cream, and then some some sort of like uh, molasses or Steen's cane syrup. Mm. You know that instead of like pancake syrup, like real good syrup. You yeah, know. Mm. molasses, molasses, yeah. <laughs> and it's called what again? Uh, chorreadas. Thank you. Got Chorreada, you. I believe it's like dripping, and that's yeah. what the batter looks like when you put it on the griddle. It's like dripping uh, down onto the griddle. Okay. Well, if you ever learn how to make them, it's the chorreadas for me. Okay. 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 Well, <laughs> I mean, I have an appointment with my aunt. She's well, like, whenever you come, I'll show you how to make that, and I'll show you how we make the tamales too. So I love it. Whose spirit do you bring into your work? it has to be a chef spirit <clears throat> um i do have a candle with anthony bourdain in the kitchen he's overlooking everything right now a beast huh? yes uh. a beast. um my my first mentor has to be uh diane timphany uh, she's a, a local uh business owner who I, was my first job um mm. she she really cracked the whip on me a lot Nice. And really got me to to have that thick skin needed to to be to survive in the restaurant industry. Um, so I carry her spirit a lot, and then also you know my 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 boss Emeril Lagasse himself, you know. So 
Um, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be in a position that I am today. So mm. I learned a lot and I got exposed to a lot of good uh, people in the city. And, and I made a lot of good connections working with him for almost 15 years. So nice. nice. Yeah. So you worked for him for 15 years. You were the chef of cuisine, or do you say of chef cuisine? de cuisine? De cuisine. Yes, my bad. Be, Let me get my. But, but it, it's the literal translation okay. is chef of cuisine. Well, look chef at me of, in yes. my translation spirit. Yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> at Merrill, which is one of my very favorite yes. restaurants. Yes, you um, over there all the time. Now. I mean, yeah, not she does put there, it on the ground. But now yes. that I'm not there. You're there. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I love the whole crew over there. It's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, they just it's a vibe for it sure. Is, it is. Yeah, uh, and. And so you left a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. uh, I imagine that's like a dream job for a chef. Yeah. And, you know, you left to run Maui or to start and run Maui mm-hmm. with your dad. Tell us about that journey because that's kind of a big transition. Yeah, it was uh, it wasn't an easy decision. You know, it, it, it's definitely the type of, of restaurant any chef aspires to run. Um I was in 2016 offered the position to open it up. And for me was everything I had ever worked for while I was with Emerald. And I finally got to open up a restaurant or be chef of one of his restaurants. And I was opening up his newest concept in New Orleans, which he hadn't done in, I think, close to 15 years. Wow. um, Since the last restaurant he opened up in New Orleans. So it was a big deal. It was a big deal to open up that restaurant. And then... I had never opened up a restaurant myself. So working with him on that was also the first time we had really worked side by side, one on one. And he's involved. He was definitely involved in opening up that restaurant. Um, So it it was it was great for me. The opportunity for me was it was something like even more of a learning experience because he was there and he was there nightly. He was there daily. He was all the time, you know, telling me what's next, what's new, what are we going to do? And keep pushing me. And I was like, chef, I'm already like opening up a brand new restaurant. And you're like, keep pushing me to the next level. What's next? You're not even like content with where we are opening up this restaurant. And you're already trying to run a special. You're already trying to get creative with another soup. You're already trying to, you know, change menu items. And and, and that was good because it's mm-hmm. nonstop with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so the opportunity to, to work there was, like I said, it was an opportunity that most chefs don't get. And, and I got it and it was like a playground. I had, nice. you know, it was like a playground kitchen. I had, you know, a robotic grill. I had a pasta station. I had three deep fryers. I had a pizza oven, a beautiful salad station, beautiful dessert. I had a pastry chef. I had like a whole back line, which was just for prepping. And it, it was it was the most prestigious, beautiful kitchen I'd ever worked in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good. It was in, in, in opening that up was was a. a a milestone for me but then also while that happened we were um looking for a corn tortilla in town a fresh one and i was able to find maui while i was still working at um merrill so i'm dropping my kids off at school one day i drive by and i'm like right by my neighborhood and i see this tortilleria sign i'm like well, i'm looking for a tortilla let me go see what's up Bring me the tortillas. We sample. You're looking for one for the... For Merrill. Yeah, while we're opening up Merrill, we're looking for a a tortilla to put on a taco that's going to be on the menu. Mm -hmm. Um, So we we found it. We tasted it with me and the other chefs. And they said, that's going to be the one we're going to open up with. Mm -hmm. Cool. So we order and, you know, a couple months go by. 
And then the owners uh, approached me and they're like, hey, we're planning on leaving town. We're going to be selling the business. Um, would you be interested? And I said, sure, let me uh, talk to my dad because I don't have the money. And my dad has always wanted to be in some sort of like own business. Um, he's a maintenance guy. He was a maintenance guy. He's retired now. But I the, love your dad, by yes. the way. It's, he's so it's charming and me. everybody, everybody's oh like. When I first met him, I was like, uh, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> Who are <Your> you? family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, and he's from Santa Bella. Yes. So I was like, you have to take me. Yes. And oh, well, you're still going. Yeah. We just got to figure out when. Yeah. He's there right now, actually. He left on Friday or Thursday. Nice. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, my dad and, and, and the prior owners of Maui got into negotiations and uh, the price was at a good point and he bought it. And he's like, let's do this. Um, oh, so it was called Maui already. It was already Maui. It already existed as a tortilleria okay. bakery. Uh, tortilla bakery and then um you know we took over in 2017 in may and uh it started off as just like a wholesale kind of like tortilla bakery um we weren't selling much to the to the public but it was available as a retail location for you to come in and buy fresh corn tortillas every day as well um and then you know, I wasn't able to spend much time there because I was running Merrill mm-hmm. but the whole time I'm running Merrill you know I'm 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 getting towards the point like early 2019 and I'm like, okay, well, you know, this is a decision that I got to start making. Do I continue working for Emerald, which I've been been at for 15 years almost, or do I go and work in the family business now and take everything that I've learned and put that into what we have? Yeah. Um, so it was, it wasn't an easy decision. Uh, I spoke to my dad a couple months about it, you know, and he was like, look, you got insurance, you got pay vacation, you got this, you got that. Uh, you're going to be leaving the spotlight, you know, and then, you know, you're going to come work with me. And I was like, that's okay. Like, I'm okay with that. You know, I'll, I'll have more, uh, freedom to, to make my own schedule, be with my kids, you know, cook them dinner every night, bring them to school, make them lunch and breakfast. And, I said, look, as long as my, my phone bill and my car bill is, is covered, I'll eat at the shop. You know, I don't, I don't, we don't need to be living a lavish life or be, I don't need to be making, you know, the same amount of money I was making working with Emerald. Um, so I think the decision was cool. It was good. And it, it was definitely a, a, a change of a life, a lifestyle for me because working at the restaurant it was like coming home at like one thirty in the morning. And now I'm home by like 2 PM, mm-hmm. you know, ready to, nice. you know, hang out with my kids in the afternoons. So the restaurant industry is, uh, it's a very distinct culture everywhere, but more specifically in New Orleans. Can you talk to us about your favorite parts of the restaurant, in- excuse me, industry? And then also with that, um, what are some things that you would change as a leader in the industry? So one of my favorite things of, of working in the restaurant industry has to be um, the camaraderie or I guess the the relationships you make with other restaurant operators. Um, you know, like, let's say you walk into a restaurant and you see, you know, this person being treated as a VIP or as an XXP, and you know that they obviously come there a lot or they spend a lot of money What's there. What's XXP? Uh, extra, extra important person. Mm, <laughs> yes. Uh, a VIP. XXP. <laughs> yeah, XXP. So Goals. No, 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 yeah, it's exactly. One of the, you want to get on that list. Uh, okay. You want to be one of those guys. Um, so you, but, you know, working at that restaurant, you know, that these people are going to be treated, you know, with the, the most hospitality ever and mm-hmm. beyond that. Um, but 
working in the industry and being part of that 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 workforce and getting to know other business operators, other chefs, other general managers, other sous chefs and, and floor managers, even waiters, and getting recognized when you walk into the to the restaurant and being treated as an XXP when you're not there to spend a bunch of money, when you're just there to go like be part of that that uh, experience of dining in a certain restaurant or going out to a bar and like those relationships for me is is what I really 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 love being part of in the industry and really love, um, I guess like nurturing and going to visit my old friends or, you know, making new friends and making sure that I go visit them and, you know, support their businesses as well as, and, and that's, that's very important to me is those, those relationships with them, the camaraderie. Um, and as far as like being a leader in the industry and, and what I would do, um, there's so many things, but I think you and I spoke about this uh, last time we met and it was, you know, changing the, the, the face of what the industry is perceived as, uh, right now. And, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, and it's true, uh, see the, the restaurant industry as like, you know, drug addicts, alcoholics, uh, people who just like are always depressed or something like that. And, and what I would change is how can we provide a better environment for employees to, not get into that cycle of alcoholism and mm. drug addiction and depression because of the amount of hours or the amount of time and, and the dedication that it goes to being successful in the restaurant mm. industry because it takes a lot on you. It takes a toll. High pressure. Yeah, it's a, it's lot a of very stress. high pressure. It's high stress. Yeah. Um, it's it's long hours and it's 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 just been like, this is the way it is and this is the way it's always been. So this is the way it's going to continue being. And, and that mentality for me is what I would change. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I mean, how about some health care? How yeah. about, yeah. you know, like a living wage? Yes. Pay time off. Yeah. Pay time off. Especially know, when you have these, kids like you mentioned. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and they, it was not easy, you mm-hmm. know, uh, being a, a single dad and, and working as, as, a, as a chef de cuisine, it was not easy. I, I thank God that I have such a good support network in town mm-hmm. my dad my stepmom my aunts you know my brothers like all of them just stepped up and were able to you know provide for my kids as well as you know provide for me to be able to be successful in the restaurant industry right so a lot of people don't get that a lot of people don't have that mm-hmm. right so tell us a little bit more about your journey towards food like when and where did you learn how to cook when did you learn that you love food and uh yeah where were you trained well, I learned how to cook uh, some basic stuff uh, living in Costa Rica with my mom. Okay. Uh, you know, I remember scrambling eggs with her. I remember making tamales for Christmas. I remember her teaching me how to make a fresh tortilla uh, pressed by hand and then taking that pressed raw tortilla and filling it with cheese and then mm. turning that into empanadas. Mm. Um, so... Those are one of my, like, those have to be my, my first food memories. Um, and then I moved here uh, right right before high school, and I started working as a busboy right when I was, like, 14 years old. And then uh, I guess when I was around 16, I got an opportunity to work in the kitchen at that restaurant in Metairie uh, called Timphony's with mm-hmm. Diane Timphony, who's my first mentor. Um and I never le- never left the kitchen since. Uh, I, I worked one night on the fry station, and I loved it. I loved the the 
the pressure. I love the excitement. I love the heat. I love, you know, running back and forth and then also plating and, you know, serving food. And, and that part of me was was really when I started to, to tap into the love that I have for cooking. Mm. And then there was a decision that I had to make uh, leaving high school to, to, you know, what's my career going to be. And it was uh, either architecture or uh, be a chef. And then I decided to be a chef because I just, I knew I loved it, yeah. you know, and, and architecture is nice and it's beautiful. It's, Sounds it's a lot good, more, huh? it's a lot more studying <laughs> that I, I like to do because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not necessarily like successful in the classroom setting, but, um, you know, the, the lab and the, in the kitchen and, you know, those classes were, were, were really where I thrived mm-hmm. and, and I really, really got able to, um, realize how much potential I had to succeed in the restaurant industry. Uh, I went to Delgado Community College here in town and uh, took culinary arts there as well. You know, I, I grew up in Costa Rica and it, it, I remember being able to walk down the street to the tortilleria, the local bakery there, local tortilla bakery, and go get tortillas for breakfast and bring them back home. And, you know, through my journey of, of living in Costa Rica, growing up with one of my food, first food memories, and then, you know, going through culinary school, working for Emilagasi and, and being able to experience everything I was able to experience in the culinary uh, field. Now I'm kind of like full circle. Now I'm coming back and then I'm back at the tortilla. I'm back, you know, with that, that for one of the first food memories I have. So it's, it's, it's kind of been, been cool to look back at, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now Maui. So we worked together. We were working on this campaign and, and, Shout out to you for being politically inclined and knowing that sure. it's important to use your your likeness to um, to really you know put it out there Support for other people yeah. yeah and uh, and so Maui is like this place where it seems like you know for sure you're doing business there mm-hmm. it may not always be the business of like food yeah but it's like a place where you know you come and like you um, kind of just get some things done, but it's also a place where you can, uh, just like sit, like I sat Mm -hmm. and I had frijoles and queso and tortillas. Um, and it just feels like home. Mm -hmm. It feels like if you had, uh, on somebody's, you know, uh, Eva Longoria's doing this brownish series now, she should definitely film at Maui because that is for real what I think about when I think about you know, uh, brown folks coming home or coming after school and like sure. you go to your dad's business and it's a tortilleria, yes. you know, uh, what, and at black, black and brown get down this, you know, dinner that we had that you came to last year, mm-hmm. it's really about how do we break bread so that we can get to know each other. Sure. Um, but it's really, we have to do the part of like coming together. Mm-hmm. What value do you place on like coming together and, uh, and how does Maui, help you do that? Well, I think since day one, um, and, and this is, is definitely something my dad has taken, you know, point in, uh, he, he wanted Maui not to be a tortilleria. He Mm. wanted Maui not to be a place of business. He wanted Maui not to be, you know, just somewhere we were profiting from. He wanted to, to be part of the community through Maui. He, since day one, has told me, he's like, well, like, this is going to be a place where there's no flags. 
there's no like Mexico, there's no El Salvador, there's no Costa Rica. This is a place where you're going to be able to walk in the door and feel like you're walking into somebody's home, which is great. And and at first I was like, okay, pop, like you do what you got to do. I'm just going to be in the kitchen and I'm cooking. Like you, you, you do your thing. Um, but he's then in front of the house. Yeah. He's front of the house. He's, you know, PR he's, you know, I love him. He's, so charming. He's all that. Uh, but at first I didn't really like get that. I didn't really grasp that because you know, he's, he's in a different generation. He's like light years ahead of me and what he's thinking and, and his vision. Um, and, and seeing what, what he's been able to create as far as being part of the community by welcoming people and not making people feel like this is just a Latin store or this is just a, a tortilla bakery. And uh, this is going to be a place where your kids are going to walk in the door and feel welcome. This mm-hmm. is going to be a place where your grandparents are going to walk in the door and remind them of home. This is going to be a place where we can sit down and just have a meal and, and really have a great conversation. And we can talk about politics. We can talk about food. We can talk about alcohol. We can talk about everything on on the table. And by the time we leave, it's all good, you know, yeah. and that's what he wanted. He wanted to, to just provide that because that's what he loves. That's what he likes to yeah. be able the establishments that he likes to go to where you feel that comfort and that almost like, like you said, like walking into somebody's house and just, you know, sitting down and having a great time, you know. It's different from, from an actual restaurant, I would say, because there you have a server, you have somebody pouring you water. This is like, no, you're coming to my house, and if you want to refill, like, you can get up, go in the kitchen, scoop something out of the pot, and then, you know, you're good. That's that's the type of uh, identity he wanted to serve with uh, the store. Um, yeah, I love it. I mean, I think it's, it's so important. Uh, another one of the things that you practice is capoeira. Mm. which is uh for folks who know is um uh sort of the coming together of fighting but martial arts but also spirit work you know just how did you get into it tell us more about it well capoeira from from i got introduced to it by my cousin he's an mma fighter and uh he's been doing it for at least 10 almost 12 years now maybe um, and I forever knew him as the Taekwondo guy. He was doing Taekwondo since he was four years old. And my kid was he about stuck to, with it. Huh? He stuck with it. He, you know, he, all of us started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all of us started. All Our parents spent money on those expensive suits. You know, no, some of us got to, to the white his and yellow belt. did not let him quit <laughs> since the age he was four. I think until the age he was able to make decisions for himself. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no, you're not quitting. He wanted to go play basketball. He wanted to go out and hang out nah, with his friends. His dad was like, no, you're sticking with this, and you're going to be doing this until the end. Shout out to um, dads. Yes, dads. The committed dads, for sure. Um, so he he was, he's the guy who I looked for. I was like, hey, look, I wanted to put my kids in some sort of martial art. I was thinking Taekwondo. He's like, no, we'll stop right there. You're going to put your kids in couple it. I'm like, what the hell is that? So he's like, Come over here on a Friday night, and then you're going to be able to see it. So every Friday at uh, Capoeira, New Orleans, they gather and they do what is called a joda, which is where everybody gets around a, a circle, and the instruments are playing, uh, people are clapping, they're singing to the, to, to the band, the bateria, and then um, in the inside, in the, in the inside of the circle, there's two players, uh, and what they do is they basically go at it. It's like sparring, uh, but... Capoeira is a dance. It's a fight. 
it's a game. You play capoeira. You don't. Yeah, you, you don't. Play. You don't yeah. fight. You play capoeira. Uh, <laughs> but it's also like the only martial art that involves music while you're training as well. And yes, it was definitely developed by uh, enslaved Africans in Brazil. And what they were doing was training to fight to free themselves. And as um, you know police came by to come see what they were doing they would say oh no we're just dancing so it was a disguise mm. on how to you know create yeah. a, a form of self-defense um but i just i would have to say like six years ago started doing it and i'm still nowhere near being able to tell you everything you should know about capoeira i'm still learning every single day I feel like I go to class and I'm I'm like in first grade. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's 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 to me. It's, but you know it's, how to do the flips with your hands. I can and do all. I can do a cartwheel. Yeah, you know, the cartwheel but... <laughs> gets me, and then it gets me that the pants are so low. The pants are low, yeah. but like, they're also how... tight. So sometimes you get a camel toe here yes, and there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bro, I can't do it. But you know, I do like the what's the the jenga, the uh, jenga, yes, jenga. It's, it's that... basically your your where every move starts. It's like your one two mm. step when you're dancing, and then yeah. from there okay. you can do a spin move. From yeah. there you can do a crossbody lead. You know, yes, for the uh, crossbody lead. Yes, yes. so you can. They, there's also there's, it's a dance as well. Mm, um, I love that. But yeah, capoeira to me is 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 I think the 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 last thing I fell in love with. Mm. You know, I, I fell in love with cooking. I fell in love with my kids. Um, and then capoeira came around, and I was like, oh my god, where have you been my whole life? Nice. You know, so because it, it fills a soul too. It right? does, and it, it it's it it has so much to offer than yeah. just you know learning a martial art. It has music. It has mm-hmm. the songs. It has the language because it's culture, all done in por- huh? Portuguese. It has the culture. It has food that comes with you know yeah. the Brazilian people that you know train and teach you capoeira, um, yeah. and and the that is another point i would have to say that i feel like a uh a, a, i'm part of a community as mm. well the capoeira community here is is it's pretty small but um i think it's so strong and and so many people that that are there and are still there they're just like lasting members you know that that yeah. they don't come and go that easily the ones that stick around are really the ones that you start developing you know really good relationships with and long lasting relationships with. and there's that like respect factor too right because uh you have the the maestros and like there's just the like i've seen i've been to the baptisms mm-hmm. and like they uh there's just so much respect and admiration yeah. for your teachers for your yeah. elders yeah and and like still in 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 our community in our capoeira community uh our our mestre just got his mestre cord or corda, mm. his belt basically, um, and and the way that happens usually and and back in the day is the community says he's ready to be a mestre. Mm. It's not like his uh. mestre is ready to be telling to be a mestre. It's like the 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 people who come and bring their kids to him, the people who come and train with him, the people that uh, he's involved with in doing his community work with are like you're ready to be a mestre now. And then all the other mestres that he like associates with, you know, he has to go to them and, and, and basically like get approval. He'll get tests. And then, you know, not necessarily like here a written test, but like he'll go to their academies and then they'll make him do certain things and see where his level yeah. of knowledge is. And then at that point, all the mestres come together and they're like, 
you're ready to be a master. You should have been at that ceremony that that was there, uh, 2019. It was it was like everything. It was everything, and and I go back and I watch these videos and I get so excited and I get I'm like almost like that that was one of those like heartfelt mm-hmm. moments like him getting a promotion to master. I don't know if they're called promotions in Capoeira though. Okay. But it's 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 a good you you should come to a couple. Yeah, you gotta class. let me know when the next one is. Yes, it's in at the end of the last week of September. Oh okay. Yeah, so it's coming. Yeah, that's up. my birthday month. Okay. So I mean, we're turn gonna up. celebrate your birthday. Yeah, capoeira style. <laughs> yes, that I means, love it. You know, when you have a birthday in capoeira, uh, they make you play everybody. Oh, I did see that. In the I hola. think. Oh, it's not like okay. you you and they sing happy yeah, birthday to I mean, you with the instruments and the same rhythms and everything. Um. But the thing Mama is, Mamacita might not be ready for the load <laughs> <laughs> and the car wheel yet. But uh, you yeah, know, especially because you got to do it with everybody. Yeah, I could do Jada. Yeah, um, yeah. Give me a couple months, brother. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the birthday celebrations in Capoeira are are where it's at too. Okay. <laughs> so your kids also play Capoeira. Um, children in general are like sponges; they absorb everything, especially you know when they, like you mentioned. Uh, a committed father when they have a committed father or parent in general that's for the committed father right exactly so you know you're raising two handsome uh and brilliant boys how has fatherhood changed you and like what impact has it had on your life well you know i I look at my father first and and i'm always like okay provider you know somebody who you feel like a sense of security with uh somebody who you can go to in any any moment and and say hey look i'm in a bind or hey look uh you know my car got wrecked and you know i've never been in a car wreck before that's the person that i first called for so many first things that happened in my life and i'm just trying to um basically mimic the way he was a father to me Mm -hmm. but also go further than what he did because if if you're not trying to get better than what you were learned then you know, you're just going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And and I'm okay with, you know, being as good as my dad, but I want to be a better dad to my kids. Right. You know, I want to be able to provide them more than my dad provided me. I want to be able to be, and, and my dad was just working so hard all his time that, you know, a lot of the stuff that I wanted him to be with, be there with, like, he wasn't there. Like I, like I said, when I was living in Costa Rica, my dad was living here and he would send us money over there. So, you know, there was a lot of instances when I was a kid growing up and my dad wasn't there that I don't want that for my kids. Right. You know, I want to be able to um, let them know that every single like capoeira truck class I can make, I will make every single baseball game that my kid goes to and plays like I'm going to try to be there. Um, everything that they're interested in, everything that that really will just do something to spark an interest in them. Like I'm going to try to provide that for them. Uh, but being a dad has definitely changed, uh, the way I look at, uh, my priorities. Um, you know, before that it was, what am I going to do? What is, what is, uh, how am I going to have fun? Or, you know, where am I going to go this weekend? Or, you know, what, what, uh, where am I going to travel to? And and now it's, what am I going to do for my kids? Mm -hmm. You know, where am I going to take my kids this weekend? How am I going to show them, you know, a good time or how, what, what can I provide as a learning experience for them? And, and, um, you know, I think the bond that I have with them is is even stronger than the bond that I had with my dad at their age because of the 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 fact that we live together, the fact that we're there and see each other every day, the fact that we communicate so much. 
and and I'm just involved more than than what my dad was able to be involved with me just because the situation he was, was providing he was, he was providing and and you know my mom and him had split up and my mom took us which is what normally happens but um in this situation you know their mom and I split up uh, she's still very much involved in their lives but um you know I I feel like to to nurture them and and provide for them like the best decision was for me to keep them and and now um you know it shows you know it shows is them being being dedicated to school you know being able to train capoeira and be dedicated to that and you know it's 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 changed me as as a human being to be a better human being not just be a better dad i think mm. you know i love that well, I mean, you do all of the things. First of all, you are a chef. You are a business owner. You play capoeira. You are a father. You are a son. And um, I mean, I'm also a brother. You're also, also a brother. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, we gonna keep going down the list. <laughs> but what I want to talk about real quick is yeah. um, you also are like putting together these spaces where we can go and just like dance and you know sweat it out and we're, uh, we're working on that for yeah sure. okay um, so tell me about that tell me sort of uh you and uh for all the bay heads also uh your cousin is eric uh, santero who Santero-ish. yes who you know made us uh, just love to dance and sweat in the Bay. And so it's really nice to know that like now he's in here in New Orleans. Yes. And so I know the party is going to like just it's keep coming. growing and it's keep coming. building. But tell us about the parties you're throwing now. So we're Eric's Eric's got a, a, a party called Kilimanjaro and he was able to um, lock down every first Friday at the month of the month at Gasa Gasa. And he moved here about six months ago and about two months ago, he approached me and was like, "Will, what do you think about, you know, doing a, a, some sort of like production company with me and, you know, start throwing parties. Uh, I got the music. I want you to be involved with the food. And there's another guy, Eduardo, who's on a local Latin radio station that um, we're kind of like all coming together and trying to provide that latin night that that evening where you come and just dance and have a good time listen to good music um and and we're in the middle of looking for the space Mm -hmm. to 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 provide that uh but eric is now doing kilimanjaro first friday of every month and as that grows we're also trying to start a noche de encanto an an enchantment night where the latin night comes out and and we want to be able to uh, make it so where it's like the sense when you come into Maui, you don't feel like, you know, it's just like Spanish people or it's just like black yeah. people or it's just like white people can't come in because they don't know how to dance or whatever. Uh, we want to be able to provide it and make everybody feel welcome. And, you know, and and, and there's definitely... And it'd think, be about the dancing. And it'd just be about the dancing, the music. The space we haven't we haven't been able to find the space the beautiful location yet. So those of you who have a dope space, beautiful We're space, yeah, there. reach out to Will. We're putting uh, it out there. Jump in his uh, DMs uh, <laughs> and let him know, you know, because I just think it's so important. Yes. We need we need places like and, that. And you know, I think that that um, it's just something that's missing. It's something that's missing because it's been done before, but it it it's only been like one sided. 
mm-hmm. you know, it hasn't felt like so welcoming to everybody to come out. And, and that's what we're trying to figure out how to do that and where to do that with who to do that. And then like, for me, like the, the cherry on top, the icing on the cake is going to be the food. Mm-hmm. You're not going to come because of the food. You're not going to become just because. Yeah, of you music. know, New Orleans, we got to have it all. Yes, we got to have yes. the food as we're dancing with the drinks. Yes. 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 But the, 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 the surprise is going to be when the, start, the food starts coming out and you're like, whoa, I was just dancing salsa and this guy's passing around tapas. Like, what's going on over here? So that that's there's a vision that we have that, that we want to provide and, and, and an evening of enchantment where you're just like, I got to come back to that. Nice. You know? I'm here for it. So it's coming. It's coming soon. Nice. So, uh, what's next? Um, you got that going on. Uh, you're doing a restaurant. Like, what what else is on the horizon for you? Um, Noche de Encanto is for me, like, I guess like the next project right now. Um, there's with Maui. There's uh, a couple different uh, things that we want to add as far as like a, a different product line. We want to do a a uh, in-house ground uh, masa for our tortillas, where it's we take uh, corn, we nixtamalize it, which is the process of uh, cooking it with a little bit of lime, and then. Um, that will that makes the corn more digestible. So we take that and then we grind it and then we make a fresh tortilla using that. Right now we're using masa harina, which is like corn flour to make our tortillas. Uh, but we want to take it to the next level, which is making our own masa, making our own. Oh, ground. so that means you got to have a grinder thing. I do remember that from being back home. You know that yes. like you have the. A mill, yes. yes. So, I mean, yes. I think they had the big ones, but yes. like you do it with your hand too, where you, you put can the do corn a hand in. crank one, yeah. yeah. But this one is is the next level where you know it it'll take what we have, which is a good product, and then make it even better. Yeah, you know. But it'll be it'll we'll still have that product line, and then we're gonna do the other product line as a you know twice a week kind of like uh, special, if you would. Yeah. Um, and and. I'm, what I'm seeing right now, what's next for me is 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 really getting our business uh, established to where um, we we feel like it's it's gonna be long lasting. We feel like it's gonna be uh, in a place where it's running on its own, it's doing very well, and then you know it's providing for the rest of our family as well. Like the generation that's coming up next for my kids and then hopefully with their kids and being able to, to just have that established to where um, we see the longevity of our business. That's that. I think that's the most important thing for me right now is, is, is that. I love it. So I swear every single time I, I'm a taco like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think the people say connoisseur, but yeah. it's not even, it's beyond that. I think it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's just, just like, like a real fangirl yeah. moment. Yeah. Like I love tacos. Uh, and so every time I'm having a taco, which is several times a week, uh, I swear they're always your tortillas, <laughs> but they're not. So, but if, you know, a business wants to reach out and say, hey, we're ready to upgrade our lives yeah. and to step into the future, which is Maui Tortillas. How do they get in touch with you? Uh, well, the easiest way is uh, email me at uh, will, W-I-L-L dot Avalar, A-V-E-L-A-R at Maui, M-A-W-I, NOLA, N-O-L-A dot com. Uh, you can reach us at our website, MauiNOLA dot com as well. Uh, we have our Instagram handle, which is at Maui Nola. 
And really, you can send us a DM, you can send us an email, you can go on our website and email us through that. Um, it just like come to the store. We're located Pop at up. 5050 West Esplanade uh, on in Metairie, Suite C. Um, and, and anybody who's going to be there can give you information about uh, wholesale. Uh, and then while you're there, just get some tacos and some Man, pupusas. I swore <laughs> you were going to roll up with like beans, <laughs> cheese. I was out on deliveries before man, this, like, man. I just... I knew you were popping up with something. Yeah, you got to come back. Okay, it's been too long. It's so good. It's oh my god, I can like, yeah, I can't remember. I think I also had like chips and salsa or mm-hmm. something last yeah, time. Yeah, homemade chips. Uh, but it's the beans for me. The beans. And so every time I see you making them, uh. I feel some type of way. <laughs> um, They're great. I'm definitely gonna come tap in with you next time I'm in town. Please too. do. Yeah. Please do. And it's funny you were talking about pupusas. I'm actually about to go to the mission to go get me some later today. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yes, sure. you know what to do. Yes, you know sir. where to go. That's great. Okay. So, um, last question. Tell us your favorite meal. For me, it's uh, for me it's a, like a breakfast meal. So, it's the it's the uh, beans, mm-hmm. like it's a egg, like a, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think what you're taking you my favorite meal and just making it no, yours. No, but I, I want I want platanos <laughs> and yes. like cheese and cream. cream. Uh, you yeah. took my meal. No, <laughs> that can't be your meal. Okay, no, seriously, what is Look, your favorite? Call meal? my mom. That right is now, my favorite. Call my mom and then ask her, hey, what is Will's favorite meal? Because I literally grew up telling my mom, there's no name for that dish. Yeah, there's what no is it? There's no name for that plate. But listen, and if you really want to like on some be all of the things. Hit like a bomb chorizo with it, mm-hmm. you know. Chorizo, or um, in in, in Costa Rica, it was called sachichon. Okay. It's a name for a sausage. Yeah, yeah. Chorizo is like synonymous with sausage. Like yeah. Chorizo is a type of sausage. It's not yeah. all sausages. Yeah. But if you go yeah, to like Latin America, good. they're all like, oh, just give me a piece of chorizo, and yeah. it's, it's like, but we have like six varieties of sausages. But you're calling everyone a chorizo. Right, right. Um, no. So I remember growing up and and. You know, my mom being like, well, what do you want to eat tonight? She's like, Ma, you know what to do. You know, you know. Yo, I want, it's the beans for I want, me. I want it's the, the salchichon. Yes. I want the beans. I want the crema. You got to have the maduros, the sweet plantains, uh, the cheese, tortillas with that. And it would just be like, that would be the plate. Tortilla. Or for us, it was like a lot of uh, French bread. Yes. Oh, why bread French too, bread is bread like too. a big thing in Central um, America. I, any anything colonization, that, but anything that I grew up eating, anything that you know is comforting, anything that that strikes a food memory, is my favorite meal. You nice. know, I love going out and trying new places. I love going out and and you know checking out to see what the new chefs are doing or, yeah. or the new restaurants. Well, I are don't doing. know how to cook at all. Let me just be clear. I don't know how to make <laughs> shit. But so, I mean, is a cookbook coming out? Oh, I mean, you are. You want to write one with me? No, no, no. I'm not writing one, <laughs> but I'm down to like. I, I, I don't have that in the works. I could be like the, um, you know, the person on the side who doesn't know how to do shit, but makes funny jokes. You're like the tester. Yeah. You test right, all the recipes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I have. Uh, thought about a book. I have thought about, you know, some recipes. That would be so dope. You know, and and it, it's it's 
when it happens, it'll be the time, the right time for it. Okay, you know? well, you heard it here first <laughs> on the Black and Brown Get Down podcast. Uh, Chef Will Alvera is... Oh, Avila. Why I keep messing that up? It's just everybody does it. People call me Aguilar. People call me Alvarez. Like Avelar. Avelar. Like an ave, like a bird. Ave. Oh, Ave is a bird. Yes. Okay, yes for the Ave Maria. Yes. Ave Maria. <laughs> okay, so Ave Lad. Yes. Ave Lad is coming out with a cookbook. Uh and oh, you can <laughs> you can hit the pre-orders uh on his page. We'll have uh a link um when, you know when, when it, the when pod it gets drops into the works we'll have a link on okay there. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> there's don't no link right much. don't go looking on the page for a link and be right. like yeah you told me there was a link there's no link right now <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining no, us we're super grateful for here. you thank you for and having me. uh it's been amazing for sure um all right well man. so the juice today we're going to be talking about Shakari Richardson, who is our amazing track sensation. Uh, she was the gold medal favorite for the upcoming women's 100 meter uh, Tokyo Olympics event. However, she was suspended for a month due to testing positive for marijuana. For that ganja, for that loud. <laughs> um, she learned about her mother's unexpected death uh, while she was in or in Oregon preparing for the Olympic trials. And she heard about it through an interview. So talk about shocking and just the state of emotions that would run into uh, a person's mind. Um, so she smoked some marijuana uh, as a way to cope with the obviously the unexpected uh, death of her mother. Um, you know, typically we're in this conversation about liberalizing cannabis policies in the United States. However, the body that, you know, governs the rules for uh, Olympians state that you're not supposed to utilize marijuana during competition. So before or after competition season, it's all Gucci. Um, essentially, what they're saying is that two of the three tenants that they follow were in violation um and those two are the substance possesses a risk to an athlete's health and it violates the quote unquote spirit of the sport we also like to highlight that the world anti-doping agency argues that marijuana improves vision muscle relaxation and reduces spasms however the same can be said for a healthy diet, getting rest and sleep, and massages. So this obviously is a bigger conversation about outdated rules that uh, pretty much, shit, need to be thrown out, like, straight up. I don't think it's outdated rules. I think it's racism. Um, and this is, you know, we've always known that weed is, um, or any drug, is about race and class. We know that, um, you know, the war on drugs was created um, specifically to uh, criminalize black people, to make money off of black, black bodies, black and brown bodies. Uh, we know that it was a target. Uh, and so you can't tell me that Michael Phelps 
gets to keep his uh, gold, his Olympic gold. But Shakari, you know, isn't um, allowed to run in the Olympics. That's very clear. This is not an outdated law. This is racism. And I don't care if she was smoking weed just because that ganja is good on a daily basis. <laughs> I personally don't smoke weed because, you know, right. uh, the margaritas hit different for me. But... Um, but yeah, it just doesn't matter. Who cares? You know? Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah, not, sure. you know, she's she's very clearly said, you're not going to find steroids in this body. Uh, nah. And so, you know, I, I love LSU's coach and his response to this, which was, uh, you know, our job is to help prepare, but to also to support her off of the track. And, uh, you know, the amount of support that she got uh, for just being real and just saying, man, look, I'm human. You know, and um, and I, I just, you know, she operated with such love. And so salute to her. Uh, she'll always wear a crown on her head for um, most of, you know, uh, folks who who love and, you know, and really didn't know who she was maybe prior to this. Uh, but, you know, she is our black girl magic. She is our, our queen because uh, she just she's amazing, man. She's gone through so much. And she's prepared, yeah. you know, for years to be the fastest person. You know, she said she is that girl. And guess what? She is exactly that, that girl. Right. Um, sure. So, yeah, it's just, you know, um, it's it's something that instead of focusing on um, on the negative, she's like, you'll see me next year. You know, I'll, I'll be. Uh, you know, still the fastest in the world because she's breaking records. Uh, so, you know, we just want to celebrate her, highlight her, you know, uh, if we can, you know, uh, uh, the Black and Brown Get Down podcast would love to make sure she gets her nails done on us. Uh, her nails probably, each pop is probably about $200 because all the shit she got on them, every time I go to the nail shop, to get a little, you know, a little diamond costs extra five dollars. So I know everything she got going on, probably a cool one fifty, coming out the shop. Right, for sure. And I want to commend her for uh, her her level of maturity to get out in front of this and just say, hey, yeah, you know, I screwed up, but hey, I'm human. You're human too. Uh, I broke a rule. However, I'll be back. With all of this, is an opportunity to, like you said, uh, highlight the fact that. The systemic racism is still going on in every facet of life. And it's a bigger conversation about how, um, you know, those who are in these governing bodies like D, uh, D. Wade highlighted this. A lot of people that are over these governing bodies are also having their hands in um, stocks and, yes. you know, of THC. And you know what I'm saying? So it's like, OK, on one hand, oh, yeah, uh, here, let's up. Let's, you know, reprimand this individual for its use. But on the other hand, let's make some money off of what she's right. using. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to her for doing the work. And uh, shout out to us because we got to hold these motherfuckers accountable. So, Hello. Yeah. Or at least just learn how to frame the the, you know, issues so that we can be much more aware because many times, you know, shit happens and we think, oh, it was our fault. If only she mm -hmm. could have not smoked weed. No, right, if only right, your right. ass could be less racist. Uh, right. And so I just, you know, I think we, and we see to... this all the time in sports like we see it in football all the time. OK, so 
this individual is out here putting their life on the line every play of the game and they want to you know smoke weed after or eat an edible after like mm, i mean it's it's therapeutic it also helps heal the body it's an herb right so can we do away with this notion that um using weed as an athlete and, and being an athlete is it violating a substance it's a little ganja a little dank right oh one more thing one more thing how about the fact that she smoked weed but still smoked everybody on the uh track right. like energy. what energy. <laughs> you talk about lungs like energy what <laughs> it's the energy for me so yeah um, shout yeah. out to her uh, I'm excited to see what she well shit how she bounces back from this so yeah, yeah. she back she that girl um all right well now to the rising ritual for today's rising ritual I'd love to share just one thing that I do um you know many people who are empaths like myself uh you know it's like you tend to attract what's going around, uh, and especially people who need support and who need to be heard. And uh, sometimes some of that energy stays with you, or sometimes you even have your own stuff going on. And so for me not to keep that energy, I've had to learn how to move that energy through my body, but especially how to just uh, sometimes do certain things to uh, help me uh, just feel like I'm in the light again. And uh, one of the things that I do is uh, as someone who wears black usually every day, uh, I have to wear light colors. So if mm. you see me in the all white or if you see me in color, it's probably because I'm in a space where I need to actually actively make sure that all of the things around me, um, you know, are uh, attracting light and are actually light rather than a dark color. Uh, same as so for like most of the things in my home. Uh, a lot of those things are white, including, you know, everything, all of the things, the towels, all the, the, yes. the sheets, the, you know, light colors in the home, just because uh, I think it's important to to have that, especially given that, you know, a lot of that energy may stay with me from the work that I do day to day in the community. That's awesome. I, you know, I never really tripped off of that. Like, obviously, I've been a guest in your home, your humble home. I really appreciate you. But yeah, the white Not towels it. really threw me it for ain't a loop. humble, it's lavish. <laughs> no, I'm but like the white towels, I was like, wait, she got white towels. You know, we don't typically, we don't do white towels. Everything got to be white because I just, it just, but yeah, that's it's cool. helpful because, you know, um, sometimes that energy sits with me. And so, Everything, right. every piece of linen, every piece of, you know, everything has to kind of reflect that. And in addition to like, I got to do better with wearing some of those bolder, nice kind of yellows and greens and pinks um, and white uh, to attract that and to be able to kind of have a lighter uh, sense of my day. So that's my offering for today. Check you out, getting your aura together. You know, being in touch with your spiritual, emotional <laughs> okay. side. Yes, it out. is all reflective. You mm. know, uh, not just the energy and you know who we're around and what we say, but also what we wear and the colors yeah. we have around us. Yeah. So. I commend you. I, I think I'm gonna take that up too because it's something that we don't really trip off of. Mm -hmm. Like 
the things people say, the things we take in. But then, yeah. Oh, especially the things we I mean, wear. Yes. Wow. And no Talk shade to protection. anybody who wears black, who has black sheets in their home, but I don't. Uh, I could yeah, never cool. sleep in a bed with black sheets. That's Child, nasty. That's, or it's not well, nasty, that, but that, it's just like, I would just be wrapped up in all that black, child. Mm-mm, I can't do it. Yeah. Be hot. Too. No, hot. it is not hot. Okay, now you acting like my mom when she says, uh, you know, cover up outside. It's cold. You're gonna get a cold. No, that's temperature, mom, not <laughs> not the virus. Uh anyway, uh thank y'all so much for listening to us this week. We love you. Uh Black and Brown Get Down Podcast. Follow us on IG and uh Facebook or wherever, all of the things. And uh follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. We love you. Peace. And tell your friends.